and we can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. Open up every ear and open every heart to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. So we honor you and we love you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So I thought I'd finish uh, what we started yesterday about the fact that you have an established place in God's heart. Amen. So this will take the competition out of us uh, as believers. And I know that uh, many times you'll see that among people, period. Uh, competition is always a sign of lack. Amen. It's a sign of lack. Well, if you serve a God that owns everything and never runs out of anything and he's a creative God, there is no lack in him. And so when we experience lack, it's because we don't understand the provision. We don't know about the provision or we, we think we have a grasp on it, but we don't grasp it fully. And so one of the things that, that the enemy, his main job is to try and separate us from the love of God. And what does that mean? Well, that means that he will put something before you that looks tempting that you go after instead of maintaining your rightful place in God's heart. So God has created a place for every human being born, about to be born, conceived the bible says that before we were formed in our mother's wombs he knew us now a couple people have have been to heaven and seen souls of babies hovering around the throne of god so he does know us we're 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 people before we take shape amen and so and, and he said that these souls want nothing more than to come to earth and be born. Amen. So that's something to tell your little girlfriends or friends or people that want an abortion. That that baby is known by God already. Now, you know, you can scientists will tell you all kinds of lies about what it is. And it's a blob of tissue, but them be babies. And, you know, when you look at ultrasounds, you can pretty much see that for yourself. It's not just tissue like it's not alive. And so, really, we have to, as believers, understand these things. But you also need to understand that with respect to your relationship with God. Because if God knew you before you were formed, he loved you already before you came here and took shape. And he loves you still. So, it, Our love, God's love for us cannot be reneged upon. I mean, he can't go back and say he doesn't love you. I don't care what you do. You know, you you can try and mess that up if you want to. But nothing can separate us from his love. Why? Because his love is always calling us toward him. See, love is what draws people. Amen. You want to get rid of people, start acting crazy. Amen. Start acting hateful and mean and pushing and rejecting people, push them away, judgmental, all the negatives. You'll wind up by yourself. Amen. Unless they really don't have good sense. Amen. They crazy as you are. But we cannot be separated from the love of God because that is the force that is always pulling us toward him. Amen. And so unless you kill God, you can't stop him from drawing you toward himself. 
Amen. As long as he's alive, he's going to he's drawing people now, people who are sinners. He is pulling them toward him all the time. That's how, you know, you can look up one day and people are saved and people are talking just like you. Like I told somebody, I said, your son talk like you and me. You know, <laughs> they wanted to doubt if he was saved. You know, sometimes it takes such a long time. You wonder. Amen. But, you know, that's one way to know. You have fellowship with them in the things of God. Amen. And so we have to know that God's love is always drawing us. You have a place in his heart from the foundation of the earth and it cannot be taken away from you. It will never change. He will never stop drawing us to him. Now we can break fellowship and we can break that connection, but we will never break him. And, and his plan and his love for us. So we talked about the position that we have in his heart a little bit yesterday. We began to do a comparison. Uh, an example that I found in the word was the uh, king Ahasuerus, a king of Persia and Media at the time. They were both kingdoms put together. He had 127 provinces under his authority. That's a pretty good type of God. You know, when you see people in the Bible who have great ability and great governing uh, authority, then those are types of God. And so when you look at it, you see that he had a, he had a queen uh, that he asked to do something and she thought it was uh, a silly request and not a command. See, many times people, when they get familiar with people, they start to think less of them, take, a, take advantage of them, don't value the relationship as much as they should. And so there are many times when people will consider a person just an ordinary person and not consider, say, for instance, their office or their position or their authority in a certain thing. Like many times parents, you have to discipline your children not to get too familiar with you because they forget that you're the parent, want to make a buddy or a friend out of you, and it just won't work. So we have to be careful as human beings to value one another and value the relationship. Like the Bible says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own family. You know, your family members will always be sometimes the last to recognize your authority, and your office. And so we have to understand that human beings have a tendency to devalue one another. Amen. And so we win the same thing with God. We have a tendency because God is invisible. We have a tendency to think that he's not concerned. His word isn't true. Like he's not going to do the things he says he's going to do in the word. He's not going to discipline us, and he's in. And this isn't a requirement for the blessing, et cetera, et cetera. And so we have to always keep uh, God in high esteem. We have to know always that His commandments are real. He commands us to love one another as we love ourselves. He commands us to love, honor, and worship Him and put Him first in all things. And so when we, when we miss the mark on those things, then we will suffer lack or suffer in some way in our lives. So we can't mock God. You can't sit up here and say, well, you haven't done anything yet. I don't believe you're going to do nothing. You understand? And sometimes people say that in their hearts because it, God is long suffering. 
And he's very, very merciful. Sometimes he just looks at us like, eh, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll deal with you. When you get broke enough, you'll come to me. You understand what I'm saying? And so God knows his power. He's not threatened at all if we, we, uh, go about our lives, but the Holy Spirit will help us to live a life discipline and a life in obedience to God. So Queen Vashti was, uh, was queen at the time of, uh, of this, the beginning of this story. And we find out that when she refused the king, it was not just a refusal that was in private, but it was a public refusal. And so her public refusal got her dethroned as queen and the king decided to do a search to go and find someone to replace her. And so we need to know that we can all be replaced. God doesn't want to replace us, but when it comes to being obedient and him giving us uh, um, ministry, giving us things to do, giving us tasks to do for him, uh, he can always find somebody else. You know, that's what I tell people. I don't care how many millions of dollars you make selling your Christian books and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're all the same before God. You understand? We all have to do the same obedience. We're all called to the same holy standard, but we all do have a special prearranged place in, in his heart, and he wants us to fulfill that place. Filling that place will make you the happiest person. That's what we're all looking for. You understand? We not, you're not looking for a person to do anything for you. You have to understand that your position in God is the most important position that you will ever seek to have to fill in your life. Once you understand your relationship to him and what he has done to provide for you and furnished you, who you are, what he expects you to be and to do, you'll have it all straightened out. And so we, this is, this is the quest of our lives as believers is finding that place in him where we can dwell, we can live, everything's provided for, we're nurtured, we have all of that. So we said that when we talked about the place that God has reserved for us, we listed some things that, that, that place, uh, provides to us. One was honor, honor and favor. In other words, if nobody holds you in high esteem, God does. And honor is not something that you get from other people. It's something that's, uh, um, it's really uh, conferred upon you where you know your worth. See, there's no such thing as low self-esteem. You know, well, you know, self in a carnal sense, you know, that's a good low self-esteem. But I'm talking about a dignity in your life where you understand that you're valuable. You understand and you don't, it doesn't matter how people treat you. It doesn't matter what, what you get from someone. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter if you have a title at your job. None of that matters because God has honored you. Amen. When God honors you and you know the honor of God, you walk in a different mindset about yourself. You walk in a confidence. You walk in a dignity. That's the other thing he's provided is dignity. And dignity is confidence in your relationship to God. 
you know that that you know what it takes to maintain that relationship and you know that that relationship is not easily broken amen if it gets broken or it's fractured or fragmented it can be easily repaired so there's no such thing as uh uh you know, after you're born again, you can sin so much God doesn't want you anymore. See what what? See, let me tell you what people do. You see people all the time. God uh, promotes them, gives them a name, gives them fame, and then they sin, and they're never ever back to where they were before. Well, I believe a place exists for them to get back there. Other than that, God would have to deny himself. He said the gifts and the callings are without repentance. But see what happens with people, people become more important to us than God. See, when you fail, God should be the most important person in your life. And see, when people talk about getting restored to their ministry or getting restored to this and that, they're always focusing on people. How many people I used to have and I don't have them anymore and all this I use. You find that place in God and in God's heart where you can abide. You could care less if you ever got people back again. You understand what I'm saying? And so these are the things that we we have to understand are the important things, the things that we look at in the natural that we think are important, that we think mean success, mean nothing as far as God is concerned, your job can't redeem you. Your job can't save your marriage when it starts to go sour. You understand what I'm saying? Your job can't do those things. And what people think of you will never put bread on your table. Amen. It's not money in the bank. And so when we think about what what our place in God really is, it's a place of dignity where you're not a beggar. You're not begging people to like you. You're not trying to jump through hoops trying to get people to do things for you. You have a place in God. So you seek God for the things that you need. You learn how to keep peace with God and say, God, what do you want me to do today? He'll send you on a journey. If you do that continually, He'll put you on a journey where you'll never lack for anything. You never want for anything. You'll never be late with your bills. You'll never, you'll be on time for everything. Your blessings will come in on time. You won't be calling somebody trying to, <laughs> oh, you know what? I was paying my bills and I just found this one on the floor. I don't know how I missed it. You understand what I'm saying? All them lies we tell people and they done heard them all. Do you know them them customer service people are professionals at discerning lies from truth with from customer they heard, heard every customer lie that there is. You might as well go to God and say, God, can you please help me with this? Huh? Can you do something? I know I missed a bill one time and I called and the lady said, she said, I don't see anything on here for a late charge yet. So let's pay it now before she says our computers are slow. So I said, well, you know, God will slow down a computer just to save you $35 or some whatever that that's his money. Amen. We need to learn how to commit these things to the Lord. 
so we can have his best. You don't have to go out here making your own way in life anymore. Because your place in God's heart assures you of ample provision. It assures you of every single thing that you need. It assures you of these things. I was I was thinking about this the other day when I started telling God I needed more money. Boy, did it start to roll in. I'm serious. Saving over here, saving over there, a little bit here. <laughs> my car died. I get to take another car off my insurance policy. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, not that he made the car die. It's going to die anyway eventually. But, you know, when you put that request before him, he doesn't want us worried about things. Huh? You know, people on your job want to bug you and harass you and you don't do this right and you don't do that. Well, I'll cast your cares upon the Lord. You know, God, let me find that place in your heart again where I can snuggle up and cozy up. Huh? And talk to you about it. He'll tell you exactly what to do to keep people off you. Put the gun away. I heard that. Y'all always up to something. I got to watch y'all. You don't take no gun to the workplace. Amen. You don't need that. Or sending anonymous text messages to people. Cut that out. But your place is a place of dignity. You know, where you don't have to feel beholden to another human being. You don't have to feel obligated. Overly so. The only thing you're obligated to is to love one another. Amen. And for many of us, we need to investigate God's heart and find out what that really means. Amen. Because you know what we do? We treat people nice until we get tired and call it love. And then we can't, we wonder why nothing works right in our lives. Well, because you ain't got it right. So you stay before God until you get it right. Amen. I tell people love has more to do with forgiveness and releasing people from from the burden of their sin and all these imaginary infractions we have against one another. You know, Uh, just let that stuff go and allow God to move freely through you. You know, we like to bless people and, and, and do nice things until. Well, God wants us to do that all the time as a way of life. Amen. And you know what? When you start, when you quit doing it until, that's when he'll quit pressing you so much to do things you don't want to do. Learn how to just like what he tells you to do. Huh? Change your confession about it. Change your attitude about it. Just say, God, I just love giving. Huh? I love giving. Uh, You know, every time we turn around the church, they take an offerings for the pastors. Got mighty quiet in here. Huh? Well, it won't be such a burden to you when you learn how to give freely. You know what people's problem is? They're scared if they give to somebody, they won't have enough for themselves. Trap number one. Huh? Because God is your provider. You go ahead and give. And and I learned how to beat the devil at every single game. God taught me how to beat the devil at every single game. He get mad at you because you give something, I give double. 
You didn't like that, did you, devil? I'm going to do twice. Huh? My daddy's got everything. I don't live out of what I get brought in. I don't know what's coming in my mailbox. And I don't know what might be dropped in one of my accounts or something. You understand what I'm saying? You don't. You just live for God and allow him to bless you and allow him to help you. And he will do all of these things. He loves you. Most of us don't even know what that love is about. It'll mess your head up. You think about all the things God has provided for us. He's provided fulfillment. Amen. He's provided fulfillment. Which means that you don't have to sell out for something cheap. Y'all know what I mean. Don't get quiet. Don't be holding your breath back there. Exhale. (laughs) But you're fulfilled. Anything you get in the natural just adds to your, it just adds an earthly element to your already enjoyed state. Amen. But you live in a state of continual enjoyment in God. You don't need people. You don't, when I say need, I mean like desperate for some human help or some human touch or some human being, you know. You, you can, you know what I'm saying. You can wait on God's whatever he has for you. You call it God's best if you want to, whatever term you have for it. But, but there is something that, that about the fulfillment of God that gives you patience in in areas where most people would get anxious. Amen. You don't have to get anxious for anything. Your authority is complete in God. And I'm talking about authority over the works of darkness, not over people. Yeah. I'm talking about witchcraft. You don't need to control people. Learn how to control yourself. Amen. <laughs> God gives us privilege. That means we're not arrogant about what we know. But it's a privilege to have these things in God. He gives you love and provision. When you have God's provision, you're not lacking in anything. You're not begging and you don't have to get into works in order to please him. So it's really an easy life. It really is. That place that he's created for us is a life of ease. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We're in the learning stage where God is concerned. We learn how to trust him. We learn how to let him provide for us. We learn how to walk with him in all things. So whereas Queen Vashti was refused because she refused the king, she reaped what she sowed. She got fired and immediately plans were made for a replacement for her. Don't be shocked if God, you know, sometimes people, they they get a little testy, a little nasty and leave a church or leave a ministry and want to think you're in alert somewhere. And God already has somebody to to fill that. You understand what I'm saying? You don't stop. I mean, we're talking about the king of glory. You can stop a work in God because you go and move somewhere. Get real. Huh? I mean, seriously. People get testy enough to think they're going to upset somebody's ministry. Why would you let, want to upset the church anyway? Why would you want to upset a ministry anyway? I mean, how delusional can you be? But they do it. 
you know they'll they'll do things like that and and sit around and and wait to hear bad news well there's no bad news coming from this kingdom haven't they heard we give good news all the time the gospel's good news there's no bad news coming out of here many have tried many have died many have fried oh absolutely you know it's it's best to try and stay where god appoints you to be i don't care how tough it is for you amen you work that out between you and god people ain't after you they ought to get you you need to get your mind right huh find out who loves you baby huh when God loves you, nobody can stop. I mean, come on now, seriously. How petty can we be? When God loves you, nothing but good is supposed to come into your life if you know how to receive it. What we need to do is learn what God's love is, learn how to receive it, quit cutting corners in your life, and learn how to do the full obedience of God. Huh? Queen Vashti, she could get away with something. You know, refuse the king in front of all his boys. Huh? Uh, he just drunk anyway. He ain't going to remember nothing. Uh, excuse me. He was sober that night. Something happened. <laughs> or it was just your time to move over. See, people don't know the day of their visitation. Sometimes it's your day to move over and you don't even know it. You're the last to find out. God will move you in a minute. He loves you, but he's going to move you. You understand? Amen. So we must please the Lord. To please him means to fit into an established place in his heart that we abandon through sin. When we serve the devil, we abandon that place in God's heart. And so he has been calling us back to himself. Never doubt about your loved ones serving God and being saved. Because God calls everybody that's lost back to that place in his heart. So, amen, amen. And he can draw them. He'll draw them better than we can pray them in sometimes. Sometimes you've forgotten about praying for people. You've forgotten about believing God. Amen. He'll get somebody else to do some of that work. Don't worry about it. You just continue to believe God. Amen. But they come in on that schedule. So God is drawing all humanity to himself with cords of love. Amen. We abandon God through serving the God of this world. And this left an empty place in his heart. It's a place of longing. When God draws us to himself, that place in his heart gives us the fulfillment of belonging in a complete family. Amen. That's why some people who are are sold out to God and work for God can live totally alone. You know, I mean, seriously. Or sometimes if if they're uh, uh, married and have families, they can spend extended periods of time separated from their families without getting into trouble and without quitting why because there's a fulfillment when they get into that place in god's heart there's a fulfillment there it's hard to break that 
It's very hard to break it. And they're, they feel complete because they're in a completed family. So the father is there to play a role as father in your life. You're betrothed to a groom. So that's why people who are complete in God are not always running after somebody. Got me? Or wondering when they're going to get married or when this or when that. You know, they, they pretty much are settled and satisfied. The Holy Spirit is the one who connects us to God through promise. Promise always gives us hope. The Holy Spirit is the one that provides the hope for the things that we have, we don't have yet that are coming in the future. So that's why you can be waiting, quote unquote, waiting on God to bring you something and you forget you don't have it. Huh? Why? Because you're so complete in him. You don't have any lack. You're not dying for this and dying for that and all the kind of crazy stuff we go through. There is no biological clock in God. Amen. You're connected with God by the spirit. What he has for you, he has for you. He will supply for you. Amen. And so, you know, just tap into what God has for you and, and don't worry about the rest of this stuff. Amen. So he also seeks us because he enjoys what the Bible refers to as beauty. We are all beautiful to God. Remember what they said about Queen Vashti? She was beautiful. And so the king wanted to show off her beauty. Amen. And so God sees us all that way. If you turn to the Song of Solomon, let me go over there. Praise God. In chapter 2. Starting in verse 2. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. So just as, say like for instance, you have a rose bush and everybody knows you just can't. You got to go get you some snippers and some gloves if you want to pluck that rose out of there. Well, just as he's saying, as a lily among thorns. In other words, we stand out to God. We are so beautiful to him. We stand out and he's willing to go through a certain amount of discomfort and torment in order to appreciate our beauty. So if, if you, you have to understand this, that if God says you're beautiful, let that stick. Amen. Let that be something that you understand and you admire and you appreciate and act beautiful. Amen. He teaches us how to allow him to admire our beauty. Some of us have beauty within and without. Some have beauty without, not within. You we're in all different stages. But to God, we're all beautiful. Amen. And that beauty will shine out to other people. People will say things like, there's something about this person. Amen. They'll say that about you. There's something about you. You're different. That's what God means by beauty. Something that stands out from among the rest of it. So you don't have to compete with anybody as far as physical attributes are concerned. 
you understand where God has you. He has a special place in his heart for you. And that place, he calls it a beautiful place. When he looks at all of us, he calls us beautiful. In verse 14, he says in uh, the fig tree, no, the flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds has come. The voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs. The vines with her tender grapes have a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. God sees you. As somebody he's willing to pursue and want to have your company. He wants to be with you. He wants you around him. He's willing to wake you up out of your slumber and shake you up out of your bad mood and and open up your heart to him so that you can receive his love. He says, come away with me. In other words, I've got a place for you that I want you to abide with me. We are a perfume to God. In in Song of Solomon 1 verse 12, while the king shall sit at his table, my spikenard sends forth a smell thereof. In other words, we are a sweet perfume to the Lord. Amen. And that's a tall order for some of us. <laughs> I'm thinking of myself first. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you had them, them days where you just heat, sweat, whatever. You're sweet perfume to God. Doesn't matter to him. You you can always know that God appreciates you. And that sweet perfume comes from your presence in his spirit. The Holy Spirit emits a perfume before God. That, that's an aroma to him that he loves and he desires. He desires that. I remember ministering that to a, a, a man recently where God told him, uh, he had he had done some things that were a sacrifice for him, you know, where he had to humble himself, you know, not let his pride get involved in things to save a relationship. And the Lord told me to tell him, He, the Lord said, he says, I still smell the perfume that was released in your life when you made that sacrifice toward me. You understand what I'm saying? You got to dip into God to find out who you are, folks. All this uh, staying on the fringes and, and you know, uh, it, it's sad. <laughs> you know, really, it really is. The things that we still value as Christians and we miss this kind of thing. This is really what's important for us. Amen. Psalm of Song of Solomon 1, 2. He longs to kiss us. Huh? Kiss. I will kiss you with the kisses of my mouth. For his love is better than wine. You haven't experienced that in God. Any of these things, tell him to let you experience them. Amen. We have a place in his heart. Song of Solomon 4 verse 9 and 4 verse 7. I'll do both of them. Verse 7, thou art fair, my love. There is no spot in you. Why? Because he takes care of that with his blood. He removes all of our sins. In other words, you know, it's like I'll, I'll get in the mirror and I'll, you know, how you, you kind of like got to get your flaws out of the way. Yeah. Turkey neck. Huh? Get the scarf. 
laugh lines that aren't funny. And I said, oh, if I go like that, you don't see them as much. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Because <laughs> i got to walk around like this. It's <laughs> scarf around my neck. Uh, I told Gigi the other day, I said, I think I'm going to get some Botox. What do you think? Now, see, I'll be the one to get paralyzed all over just for sure. <laughs> you know, the devil would love to get me under somebody's needle. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Ugh. And then I got to slap myself out of it. I said, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> get, get, to, get to who you are. And so then you, this is where you find your Song of Solomon scripture. Thou art fair, my love. I will kiss you with the kisses of my mouth. Amen. Turkey neck and all. Take the scarf off. Take the scarf off. Amen. I tell God, not without spot or wrinkle, remember, take the wrinkles out. I got a scripture for wrinkles. And so, you know, but it's good to know that you don't have to get upset about your appearance. Amen. You can be a dignified older person. I don't know why I'm doing this, but you understand what I'm saying. But you got to keep your head where it's supposed to be. And that's in what God values and not so much about you. So so then God wants to do some things with us. He knows he tells us already about our beauty. He tells us we are comely. He tells us that his heart longs for us. He also must purify us. Amen. And this is what happened to Esther when she was under the king's care. She had 12 months of purification with different perfumes, different lotions, different ointments. Uh, They were given the best of cosmetic things to purify themselves. But God purifies us with his own blood. It says in Hebrews 9, 12 and 14. We are washed and cleansed in his own blood. So he paid the price to purify us. He paid the price. See, he knows what we need, what fixing we need within ourselves. Sometimes you can be too critical of yourself. You look at things. A lot of times our criticisms are a a compilation of things we've heard other people, negative things they say about us. And see, the devil will do a good job in making sure everybody gets on one accord saying negative things about you. It's like a conspiracy. It's like, how do, how does everybody say the same thing over and over again? Well, it's, if, if it is something legitimate that needs to be corrected, God's the only one who can correct it. Now you can try and straighten up to please people if you want to, but I'm telling you, once people know they got you on the ropes, they ain't gonna let you off of there. So you might as well go to God anyway and allow God to show you what it is. You know, now I know a lot of people don't want to hear anything from God or man. But I'm telling, talking about somebody who values their relationship with God and with people. Amen. You know, sometimes you need to look at back at your life and say, have I made enemies or friends? You understand what I'm saying? And God, if there's a way that I can can make more friends and enemies, if I can win some people over for your glory, show me how to do that. You know, be concerned about that beauty that he wants to bring out in you before everybody. And so God wants to purify us. 
Hebrews 9, 12 and, and uh, 14, he washed and cleansed us in his own blood. I'm going to turn there so we can look at that because this is, this is the, the thing. If we can allow God to call the shots, do the things that he wants to do in us. And don't be so people concerned. Amen. And that doesn't mean that you disregard people 100%. But you know when you're being witched on, you know, manipulated. And so stay away from that kind of nonsense. Hebrews 9, what did I say? Uh, 12 and 14. Amen. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come. That's us. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more? Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So you have a better covenant because you don't have to live in your past sins anymore. You don't have to live in the the regret. I think the worst thing in the world is to get toward the end of your life or whatever stage in life and start to regret what you didn't do. Regrets can immobilize you from going forward and doing much of anything with your life. I've heard people say, and there are people in their 20s and 30s, don't do what I did. I said, where did they get that from? You need to go to school. Well, how come you don't go? Ain't too late for you. You see what I'm saying? Where regret can, can put a stop on your future. There's no stop on your future. Amen. You want to do something? Ask God to make the way for you to do it. If it's something in your heart you long to do, get out there and do it. Don't let anything stop you. Now they sit up and want to be advice givers. They're the worst person. Regretful people are the worst people to give advice. Uh Because they they think their life is over. Your life isn't over because you made a mistake. That were true. We never, none of us could get up and do anything. Remembering your past just puts a shackle on your ankles. Amen. But you got to go to God and get forgiven. Can't pretend like you've forgiven. <laughs> I mean, this is a real thing. Huh? People want to pretend like they've been before God and ask forgiveness. You get before God and ask forgiveness, you'll get so clean, you get up and be a new person. You say, why did I put this off so long? That'll be the only regret you have. So he washed us and cleansed us in his own blood. He provides the cleansing. You cannot clean up yourself. You cannot do enough right things in order for God to bless you. You can't do enough good things for God to bless you. That has to come through him. And once that's settled and you understand that he's cleansed you, The place in his heart is a holy place. It's a sanctified place. It's a place where you can go to and find refuge from the world, where you don't let the world stop you from accomplishing things. You don't let the word hinder you from doing what God, I mean, the world hinder you from doing what God wants you to do. There's no stopping righteousness. 
you can tell when righteousness is, is upon people. They're bold. They're confident. And see, the unrighteous world looks at you and calls you arrogant. You think you this. You think you that. Who do you think you are? That's a sure sign you got the right thing working in you. Amen? Because the world does not understand it. And so that holy place that God has for you in his heart is a place where you can always go and get straightened out. If you get confused and you get off track or you make a mistake in God, I don't care how great the mistake is. There's a holy place in his heart for you to abide in and find your way back in there where he can straighten you out and settle you and get you all right in your head like you've never been right in your head before. Amen. And so it's a good thing to know that these are places where it's a secret place of the most high. The same thing we talk about in the Psalms. It's that's that's the place that he's reserved for you. That's your spot. Nobody can take that away from you. There's no competition for it. Nobody can take your place in his heart. That place is there for you because you're important to him. God wants us to be continually washed amen ephesians 5 26 tells us that he wants to wash us with the water of the word amen husbands love your wives even as christ also loved the church so the example is that is how christ loves the church And gave himself for it that he might what? Make her holy, sanctify her, cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That's why men need to pray the word over their households. You pray the word over your wife and over your children. Set them apart to be used by God. They'll they'll go the right way. They'll do the right thing. They won't get overtaken by the enemy. They'll do the, they'll be what you want them to be, what you envision them to be in God. And so if, if you will allow the word to wash you, that Jesus said, look, when God says, I want you to every day spend some time with me in the word, go to the word and you'll come out cleansed. You come out. I know when I, if I get the word first before I, and I do a lot of reading in bed. <laughs> And napping, whatever, you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to stay awake more. I'm more awake than I am. But, uh, you know what I'm saying. If I, if I hit it before I get out that bed, I can get up encouraged. I can get, instead of dragging and not wanting to be up and, and all that, you know, I remember my husband got so mad at me when he would say, I would say, well, don't set the clock. You just get me up before you leave. And he would get so mad. He said, he said, what are you doing? He said, you're supposed to be up. I'd have a foot out. And then when he left, I put it back in. You understand what I'm saying? I don't do that anymore. I can get up and I can get started with my day. Uh, you know, I noticed that, that uh, my body makes noise <laughs> that I didn't notice before. <laughs> you know, I take a step and I hear something go, crick, 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 crick. I take a nut, but I decided that I was going to hallelujah, glory, huh? Whereas in the natural, you want to say, well, what's that? That's got to be, 
No, it's glory, hallelujah. I know I'm alive because I'm making noise. Make a joyful noise, bones. Amen. Whatever. You know, we just keep it moving. I mean, you have to. Amen. Because I have a place in his heart. See, that's more important than bones creaking. That's more important than, you know, a hip. You know, you can't roll over in this hip too long in the bed. You know, wake you up and all that stuff. Come on now. Shoot. But the place that I have, see, I can get in the word and all that fades. It's not the most important thing in my life. It just, it's, it's a different place to abide in. And I know that feeding myself in the word pretty soon that little creek and go stop too. Amen. And so, yeah, God knows what he's doing. So it's, we, he wants a bride though, without spot or wrinkle. Ephesians 5:26 He washes us with the water of the word that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Amen. So you're kept clean by meditating on the word. You're kept set apart for God by meditating on the word. When you when you have situations that come up, the Holy Spirit will bring the word that you've meditated on back to your remembrance as an answer for your situation. That's how you stay cleansed. Cleanse means absence of worry, absence of fear. You don't have any doubt about anything. You just stay purified and set apart to be used by God. He wants eventually, verse 27, that he might present us to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And he means that in the now. Amen. Every time you, you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you're cleansed from all unrighteousness. Amen. You don't have stuff that still that you struggle with. You working on this. It's not about that, folks. I got news for you. If you read the Bible, that blood cleanses you totally and purifies you. Amen. First John 7 says that we are purified by the blood of Jesus. Our purification is both complete and ongoing. So you don't just get in the word one time and you're good for life. You continual, ongoing washing and cleansing. Amen. The other thing the Lord is doing is establishing us as warrior brides for him. Because we have a mission down here on earth to preach the gospel to every creature, to alleviate suffering among humanity. And to destroy the works of the devil. And so one of the things that we need to learn how to do is take that stand where God has positioned us. You are purified for a purpose. See, Vashti's test was would she obey the king even in a, a time where she felt she didn't have to. That's a test for all of us. Are we going to obey Jesus even in a place where we think we don't have to? You know, and that's like every day. You can say, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. Your prayer should be, God, what do you want me to do? I'm tired. What do you want me to do? See, tired doesn't mean you don't do anything. You need to go rest somewhere. Tired means you've disconnected from his purpose. 
You ever had, I'm tired of waiting on. No, you just disconnected from his purpose. You're not tired of waiting. You're in the flesh. You got over there in some place where there's no rest for you. There's no sense of God and you being set apart and being precious and beautiful in his sight. There's no sense of any of who you really are. And that's the problem. You're not tired of praying for somebody or tired of waiting on God to do something or tired of them no good saints and then ungrateful people and all. You ain't tired of that. You just disconnected from your place that he's ordained for you to be. You're out of order. Get yourself back. Huh? Tired is a manifestation of the flesh, folks. Your spirit never gets tired. Now, your spirit is a candle of God. He ignites it. Your spirit has life in it all the time. You just slipped over in the flesh. Let the devil preoccupy your thoughts, telling you you're doing enough or you're doing too much. Huh? Nobody else does what you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go tell it to somebody else. Let God minister that life to you that you need to have ministered to you. And, and go get your place back where he's called you to be. So Esther was tried as well. In uh, Esther chapter 4, if Vashti had a trial, Esther's going to have to have one. Just because she was placed there by God, but she's placed by God for a purpose. Amen. So in Esther chapter 4, what has happened is her her uncle Mordecai, her cousin Mordecai, has found some stature in that government, uh, and he's uh, gotten to be somebody who has helped the king out. So he overheard a plot to kill the king, and he reported it properly, reported it through Esther when it was found out to be real, they uh, hanged a gentleman who were going to try and overthrow him. And so the king owes him favor, and, and, and so that's, that's a good thing. But in the meantime, Haman, who is the second in command to the king, has developed this jealousy against Mordecai, and he wants to see him destroyed. So Haman secretly or, or surreptitiously does it in front of the king, Convinces the king to make a decree that on a certain day, the people who are not Jews will have permission to kill all the Jews in the province and take all of their possessions because he says these people are against the government. Now, how many times have you heard that? Huh? Whenever the devil wants to get rid of God's kingdom and his people, he pits us against the government that is over us. And so the government will start to make rules to limit our activity, limit our freedom, all of those things. We see that going on in this country right now. And so here we have Mordecai, and he's uh, heard this thing. He's heard what was done. He decides to approach Esther to see if there's something she can do to help. So this is Esther's test. It's not coming from the same place that Vashti's did. But it is coming. Amen. It's a test that comes to her to see what her loyalty is. 
So it says, verse 6, Hatak went forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. Mordecai told him of all that had happened to him and of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given as Shushan to destroy them to show it to Esther and to declare it to her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, make request before him for her people. Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And again, Esther spoke to Hatak and gave him commandment to Mordecai. All the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king to the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. They told this to Mordecai. Then Mordecai commanded Esther to answer Esther, saying, Don't think within yourself that you're going to escape in the king's house more than any of the Jews. Amen. For if you altogether hold your peace at this time, then shall there arise enlargement and deliver, deliver, deliverance to the Jews from somebody else. In other words, Esther, you're the queen, but you can be replaced. And if sheer memory is any good, She's a replacement for somebody else that got fired. You got me? And so we have to look at, even though you have a special place in God's heart, nobody can take your place. You're important to him. He loves you. He has given his life for you, but he has done it for a purpose. You are elevated with dignity. You're elevated with honor. You're given the provision. You're given everything for a time when he needs you to do something for him down here on the earth. You're not. I see all these people on Facebook, queen this and queen that. Y'all don't even know what that word means. If you knew what it meant, you wouldn't be throwing it around so cheap like you always, like you do. That title, if you really hold that title, that costs him something to confer that upon you. And you don't treat it like it's some cheap commodity. T-shirts with queen written. You don't even know it. You don't even think you deserve salvation, most people. You don't need a T-shirt and a label if you know who you are. You need to wear it the way God wants you to wear it. And so if you're a queen, you better find out what am I a queen of and what am I a queen for? And what do you want me to do? Because you don't have position, title, honor, authority, and power for no reason. There's a reason why we are who we are here in the earth. And God has a right to call us up into service for him whenever he wants us to. And that's your test. Your test is, will you pray with your prayer partner when you're supposed to? Your test is, will you humble yourself and get yourself to church on time like you're supposed to? Your test, I don't care. Is nobody here when I get here? Good, you'll be the first one. Break the ice. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. I preach to thee. Oh, Christmas tree. It's a test, folks. 
a test. See, this isn't a life where you can skip over the parts you don't study. And still get a B. He wants you to pass every test he puts before you. It's a serious business. I see people every day in social media condemning other people. And they call themselves Christians and they act like the world. And I'm thinking, what has happened to people? We used to know how to love people. We used to know how to pray for people. We used to know how to encourage people. Reverend, somebody got a picture of a woman half naked making fun of her. What are you a reverend of? You understand what I'm saying? These are tests for us, for our holiness, for our sanctification. What am I saved for? What purpose am I here for? Remember the guy that taught everybody on purpose for 30 years of his ministry? And we still do things like that. At least if you don't like what somebody looks like, keep your mouth shut. Because they're beautiful to God. If they, I don't care if they're saved or not. They got a special place in his heart. They will never find it through you making fun of them. But they'll find it through a bride who's willing to war over a soul. And go out of her way to help somebody that needs it bad. So that's our test, folks, in this hour. Are you going to be the warrior bride that God's called you to be? You're going to fight yourself and your desire to stay in bed or go to a movie or go play somewhere or go sleep late or whatever. Are you going to fight yourself to be who he called you to be? Beautiful, holy, glorious, set apart, full of dignity. If you can't do what he tells you to do, what is it any good for? What's it availing you if you can't obey him through all of these things? See, it's nice to be a queen. It's nice to be blessed. It's nice to have a good prophecy. It's nice to have a car coming. 30 people going to get a new car, no payments. Or how about the other ones? This is for somebody. I ain't seen a prophet in the Bible that came out with a prophecy that said this is for somebody. Now they might have, but they didn't live. Because the minute you say that, you get stoned to death in the Old Testament. They knew you wasn't from God. I say, hey, if God's got a message for me, he can tell me he's got my name on it. I say, I don't get there. I don't receive him. This is for somebody prophecies. The word is for everybody. Go to your Bible. That's what you want. No, but Esther, you know, she she was cool. She had a crown. She had everything. But she had to face the fact that if they found out who she was, she'd go down just like everybody else, queen or no. Because the king has signed a decree. So Mordecai told her, he said, uh, look, girlfriend, <laughs> you think you sitting up here for nothing? <laughs> I raised you. You didn't have parents. I saw to it you were taken care of. And I'm here to tell you from experience. He said, if you think you're going to get spared just because you're the queen, 
The last chick that had that that job is out washing clothes for somebody else right now. It's verse 16. Okay, Mordecai, I heard you. Gather together all the Jews that are present here and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days and three nights, and I mean it. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go to the king, which is according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. See, God has given us this special place in our heart that we die to everything else that we think is important in life. You can't take this world's goods with you. He expects you only to spend so much time focusing on them. In fact, he said, don't take no thought for it. But seek first the kingdom and my righteousness. How to be right with me. Find out what I want you to do and do it. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. Do it fair weather, foul weather. Do it when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. Do it without complaining is even better. Your reward will be great. But if you can do the will of God, no matter how much it costs you, that's why he has placed that place in his heart for you. That's what makes him really love us. When he looks down and he sees, this one will do what I tell him to do. This one will go where I tell him to go. This one will will sacrifice what I tell him to sacrifice. Even if it's just one soul at stake. In your sacrificing, that one soul is very, very important to God. Very important. Then you'll get a sense of God's heart, how much humanity really means to him. Sometimes you don't know the value of people until you obey God where they're concerned. So you ever notice that sometimes, you know, sometimes as people you think they treat you so bad. And you don't like them. And they don't. But sometimes God is showing you how much he loves you. The importance of making sacrifice. How much does he love us so? God, you keep telling me to forgive this person. They keep treating me bad. Yeah, but you got to know how much I love people. The only way you'll learn is by doing. The only way you learn is through obedience. The only way you learn is through walking through these things with God. I was listening to uh, one of Henry Groover's tapes where he, he said that God told him. Now, this man has walked. He's a prayer walk guy. He said he's walked in over 50 countries. Some of these, he said there's some cities he's walked every street in that city. He did it over a period of 30 years. He's been in the North Pole. He's been in Antarctica. He's been in Russia, China, all over Asia, walking. He would be gone from his family. He's got a wife and 13 children. He's been gone from his family as much as three and four months at a time. And he said, the Lord asked him one time, he said, Henry, he said, would you, would you, would it be okay with you? To never see your family again on this side of glory. And Henry said, I said to him, Lord, I don't want to answer that. 
He said, God, I've done everything you told me to do. I've walked. I've done. I've been. I've done all these things. Please don't ask me to do that, Lord. Please don't ask me to do that. Here's a man that makes extreme sacrifices. Huh? You and I couldn't walk to, let me get me a limo, a taxi, or Uber, or yurts, or whatever they do. You understand what I'm saying? Uber. We can't walk nowhere. See, walk to have blisters on his feet, got frostbite, all these things. And then God asks him that. And and then on the third day, he finally answered God. He said, God, I don't want to do that. He said, I don't want to answer because I feel like if I tell you yes, I'll resent it and it'll damage my fellowship with you. He said, and I don't want to be grieved at you, Lord. I really don't. And so the Lord took him back to all of the close calls that he had had in his life. You know, his son that was born dead, he said he actually turned black in his wife's womb. A cord wrapped around his neck four times. God brought him back to life instantly. He had a little boy that, that got his finger stuck in the door, cut all four fingers off, and God supernaturally grew him back out. They kept him wrapped up for 24 hours. Had a kid that was rock climbing in school. Idiot uh, gym teacher told him to go do it. And he fell down and broke his back, was in a coma. God got him right back up off of that. And he showed him all those things. And he said, Henry, which of those things could you have done without me? And that broke him. And he said, God, I'm sorry. He said, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I understand now I can't do anything without you. I'm nothing without you. And see, that's all God wants us to realize. That we need him more than we need our very breath. And we should not refuse anything he tells us to do. Well, nothing happened to his wife and kids. God kept them alive. He got home to see him. There's no problem. But God wants your heart. And God told him, you know, Henry mentioned uh, after that, he said, I've walked every mile in every city. And and God said, no, you didn't. And he told him, he said, remember when I asked you about not being able to see your family anymore? And Henry said, yes. And God said, for three days, you argued with me and you were in a bad mood about it. He said, so you didn't walk those miles for me. He said, you did it grumbling and complaining. So you got to go back and do them again. Now, who in here could do that for God? See, the minute he tells us to go walk somewhere, we done. You understand what I'm saying? Huh? The minute he tells you to walk up and down the streets to pass out tracks or whatever it is he tells you to do, you got to think twice about it or go find somebody to go with you, which is okay. But how many of us have occupied that place in God's heart long enough to know that he will empower you to make that kind of sacrifice and it won't hurt you to do it. We don't even like to forgive one another. You understand what I'm saying? So there are places to go in the love of God that we all have to experience a greater depth of. That's all I'm trying to get you all to understand. That we're scratching the surface and we don't like what we have to do to please God on a superficial level. How are we going to do the deep things of God?
How are we going to take a city? How are we going to do all the things that we sing songs about and see in the Bible and all the things, the wonderful things we like to talk about? And we don't really understand how, but I tell you what, if you learn how to dwell in that place that he's got reserved for you, see, that's the start of it. You'll never do these things in your own strength. But if you'll learn how to dwell with God and understand how important you are to God. You know, he told me this recently. He said, if people don't understand how much I love them and walk in that continually, he said, you won't make it through end time without going over to the other side. The love of God is going to keep you in that place. Why? Because when you can't trust the world, it doesn't matter. You know you can trust God. When the world can't provide anything for you, your friends can't do anything, your family can't do anything, at least you know God loves you. Hey, God, everybody down here can't stand me, but I know you love me. And how do you know that? You know that because he shed his blood for you. Because every time you screw up, he's your only friend. Amen. Every time you do something that you're ashamed of, he's right there for you, helping you every single time. And he doesn't bring up what you did wrong in the past. He wants us to learn how to cling to him and him alone. Facebook won't make you a minister. I don't care how many selfies you take with, with how many different poofing lips and putting this. I don't care how many of them you take. That ain't going to make you pretty. Huh? Because you know they don't think they're beautiful because they keep taking more pictures. They're trying to find the right one. You understand what I'm saying? Fake. Mm-hmm. But the only way we're going to survive, church, is to know deeply that I'm, and I don't mean just confessing it. I mean knowing it. Ask God to reveal to you his heart for you. Talk to him about it. Don't just assume you know. You can't meditate on enough scriptures to make this real to you. Now you can hear about it, but you got to have experience with God to know it. He's going to have to be able to separate you for some, from some things. In order for you to experience these things in him. But I tell you one thing. Once you get an experience in God. Nobody's going to be able to take it away from you. See the religious people won't be able to convince you. That you're not valuable to him. Huh? They tell you. Well you can't do that. I'm sorry I did it already. I've won at least a thousand souls to Christ. Huh? I've written books for him. You can't do that. You got to have this. and got to have that. Uh, Who are you under? I don't get under nobody. That's just nasty. My mama taught me better than that. Unless I'm married to him. But these experiences in God are real, folks. He's going to show you some things. He's going to reveal himself to you. He's going to show you exactly who you are to him. And I'm telling you, once you find out, you will never be the same again. I'm looking forward to it. Might cost me something, but I need it bad. Huh? You need it bad. We all need it bad. And God's going to do it. Amen. We'll stop. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you, Lord.
You're worthy to be praised and adored. Thank you, Lord. We don't just call ourselves your bride, but we are betrothed to you. It's a real experience, Father. And I know that you want us to experience great things in you, necessary things, things that are for our good and our well-being. So we love you and we thank you. We give you full authority in our lives today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise God. Amen. To neglect not the gift that is in you. Neglect not the gift that is in you, says the Lord. Your voice is your gift. Neglect not to speak to your situation. Neglect not to speak to your mountain. Neglect not to build up your spirit and your body with your words, says the Lord. All will be well, but neglect not the gift that you all have says the spirit of the Lord. And that is your prophetic voice. Your voice has power, says the Lord, has power to heal, has power to deliver, has power to straighten up everything that's crooked and not right in your life. So the Lord says, remember the gift that is within you and exercise it for my glory and for your health and your well-being, says the spirit of the living God. Amen. Praise God. Well, Lord, we just thank you for giving us encouragement and instruction. Bless us. You bless us every time we're in your presence, Lord. Every single time. You never forget any need that we have. So we thank you, Lord, that every need here is met according to your glorious riches through Christ Jesus. And we bless you, Lord. Amen and amen again. Praise God. Amen. Amen again. Praise God. We are dismissed.